Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey everybody, welcome to the last week online. We're coming back to the campus next Sunday, excited about that. But thank you for watching online. Thank you for inviting other people to watch. And if you are brand new, we've been having a lot of guests. If you're brand new, be sure to click on there, whether you're, wherever your platform you're watching, and fill out the connection card, and uh, we'd appreciate it very much. Last week, I kicked off a brand new series talking about who is God. And I want you to know that you can get the outline for this message on our app. If you have not downloaded our app, go to the app store, type in Freedom Church Gallatin. And when you download the app, if you look on the homepage of the app in the bottom right corner on Sundays, you can click on there and find our outline for this week's message. If you were not here for last week when I talked about who is God the Father, check that message out among other messages. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. So this week, we're going to move forward. We're going to talk about who is God the Son. But I want to really kind of refresh you from last week about the three who's and one what. And as I go over here and take a, a look at this, there is, knowing this, there is just, there's one God. And people get confused about when we say there's three gods and all that kind of stuff. There is one God. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But God the Father is not God the Son. Nor is God the Son is not the Holy Spirit, nor is the Holy Spirit is God the Father. But understand that God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Son is God the Holy Spirit is. But understand there is one God in the Godhead, the word Trinity meaning three and one. Uh, but also understand they are eternally distinct from one another. Today as we talk about God the Son, but here's something last week that a big idea that I had for you. Most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God, okay? And um, so here's the, the verse from this series that's really amazing, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. Paul said this as a benediction at the second letter to the Corinthian church. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we're kind of breaking this down, the grace and love of Jesus and God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. I'm excited about that. But today, thinking about the great God view, you know, I talked about how that last week that God is a, a caregiver and God is a rule giver. But more than that, as it says in Psalm 68, 5, as we shared last week, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. And I'm going to just hinge right off of that of how he does set us free. So the big question is really today is who is Jesus? You know, when you think about Jesus, people think, well, Jesus was born of a virgin, and that's when he began. No, he, he's always been. It talks about that in John's gospel in chapter 1. But understanding that when Jesus came to earth, he wanted to give us a picture of God the Father and attributes and the character of him. Uh, so God's Son, 
here the only son of God. He's not only God, he's human. He was a man that got hungry. He was one that wept. He was one that got upset. He was one that was tempted like you and me are tempted, yet the difference in Jesus, the son of God, is that he never sinned. Here's something I found amazing, is that in a Gallup poll uh, they did in America here, George Gallup, they do all these kind of uh, polls. They found out that eight out of 10 people in America believe that Jesus is real and that he is the son of God. That is pretty amazing. And it is a consistent view according to this poll that Americans hold. Now, whom does Jesus influence? Think about that for a minute. A lot of people say, well, Jesus helped me so much during a hard time in my life, or Jesus helped me through and I prayed to him about a sickness I had. Well, you know, I, I believe that Jesus was there for me when I lost my job and he made ways for me to be able to financially make it through the tough times of my life. Or, you know, my mother had cancer and I truly believe that we prayed to the Lord and he helped my mother recover from the cancer that she had. And, and maybe someone you know, you can currently say that, you know, I had a friend of mine that had COVID-19 and they recovered because we depended on Jesus and we prayed to Jesus. Here's what's interesting when you think about that. Gallup also done another survey that revealed that 80% of adults consider themselves to be part of the Christian tradition. That is, America is considered to be a Christian nation. But when Americans, uh, uh, when Americans of all religious backgrounds or of no religious background were asked the impact that Jesus had on their lives as a moral or an ethical leader, only 7% of them said that Jesus had hardly or no impact on their life. See, this person, Jesus Christ, the second person in the Godhead, he is co-equal with God. And he, he was not a son of God. He is the son of God. He is the eternal son of God. And God manifested in the flesh through the Savior, Jesus Christ. He came to reveal humanity as he promised everlasting life to every human individual. He partook in flesh and in blood like that we do in order that he would come and die and shed his sinless blood to have our sins forgiven. So ultimately, the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for all of our sins. That's why he came to die. Here's what's interesting about Jesus. Every word that he spoke, historically, scientifically, and even ethically, was true. But here's where we're at, even if you're on the fence about whether Jesus is real. The problem isn't whether Jesus is real to you, but that Jesus can be real in you. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to take us to a story, and, and this story took place, and this actually took place at Caesarea Philippi. It was about 120 miles north in the area of Caesarea Philippi, north of Jerusalem. So Jesus is here, and, and he's with the disciples, and this is what he asked them in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, 
Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Now, in this region, understand where they're at, there was a lot of pagan gods. And get this, not only was there the god of Baal that that was a pagan god, there were also Greek gods in this area, but also there was a temple that that was brought up and brought up for to honor Caesar. Now, it goes on to, to say here, and in, in what it says, it says, Simon Peter answered. Now, understand, Simon Peter is the leader of the pack, okay? So, I believe in this moment, he's answering for all the disciples, but yet, this is what he says. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So the question here of who do men say I am, some people might view this as an arrogant question. But in the case, Jesus is wanting to see this right confession, which a right confession is basic for salvation for humanity. Now, how, do you, how you answer this question depends on how you see Jesus. How you answer this question in our lives today is whether you see Jesus is truly real or not. So, when you look at this, how you answer this determines how you're going to receive from Jesus. Listen, understand this. As your healer, if you see him as a healer, you can receive healing. If you see him as your refuge and your fortress, then you can receive protection. If you see Jesus as Savior, then you can receive salvation. See, the people in Nazareth, though, where Jesus grew up, you know, they looked at Jesus in the natural like any one of us would look at someone else in the natural. They looked at him and says, isn't that the carpenter's son? I mean, isn't, oh, his mom is, is Mary, hello. Uh, we see his brothers here. We see his sisters here with us. And aren't they all with us? So they saw Jesus in a natural sense, not as God in the flesh. And the result of this is that because they saw Jesus in the natural, Jesus could not do many miracles where he was from. He even said that a prophet is without honor in his hometown, his home country. So, They saw Jesus in the natural. And many people today, maybe they see Jesus of Nazareth as a good person. Maybe they see Jesus Christ as what it was in the great depiction of Jesus Christ superstar. Or Jesus Christ led an exemplary life. But they feel that if all of us could live our lives, though, like Jesus lived his life, most people, if not all, would agree that the world would be a better place. Now, when we say the question that we talk about, saying, who is Jesus? Jesus told of who he was seven different times in the book of John's gospel. And he told, Jesus did multiple times. He said, I am the bread of life. We know it took place right after, right before he said he was a bread of life. He had just fed 5,000 people with a McDonald's lunch from a little boy, so to speak. He said also, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world after he had just basically saved an adulterous woman's life by just scribbling in the sand and him telling her, where are your accusers? 
He told her to go and sin no more, not to live in that darkness. Jesus said, I am the door. And when he said he was the door or the gate, saying that basically he is the true path to salvation. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said, basically my sheep, those that follow him, they know my voice. They know me. They trust me. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He tells Mary and Martha this because their brother Lazarus had been dead. And he told them, not only am I going to raise Lazarus, but people that believe in me, those that believe in me, I'm going to raise them up in the last days. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. And he was saying by that that he is the only source of salvation. He also said that he is divine. He is the source of life now. If you stay connected to him. But still, with all that Jesus had done, who is Jesus? There was still dividing opinions. John 10, beginning with verse 17, in the middle of the I am's, he says, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's a demon possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So here they are, they're divided. But ultimately, when Jesus, when you think about who is Jesus... It boils down to the love of God. It says in the most noted verses in Scripture, people hold them up on signs at ball games, and people put them on different places as placards. But it says in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, verse 17, very important. It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So when we think about love, real love is determined by what you will sacrifice for. So that's what Jesus was talking about, his sacrifice, his willingness to do his father's will, his willingness to do as his father had commanded You know, real love is sacrifice. And and today, if I tell you that God loves you and that God's son gave his life for you as a sacrifice for you, there's a lot of people, I believe, that are inclined to doubt that God loves them. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, your greatest need in this life, it isn't money, it isn't success, it isn't fame, it isn't another job. Your greatest need in this life is to be loved. And we all want to be loved. See, we're willing to do desperate things to be loved. And, and I could give you countless things that I've done desperately to be loved. Things to do, that ends up a lot of times we're not careful. It will disguise our real need for the love of God. 
few things that I think about is, is performance. You always want to perform in a certain way and do certain things, or you live uh, a life that you want to perform in such a way that people give you strokes and, and people look at you and you say, what I did. Listen, you got to remember that God's love isn't based on performance ever. It's based on sacrifice. Something else that people do to, to be able to be loved is, is people, a lot of times, they try to live vicariously through their kids. That's something else that they do. Or people, they have pity. What they do, they end up passing out all these tickets to the pity party they're going to have so that people will come up, oh, poor thing, you know. People have pity and things like that. There's position. People think about the next manager's position, the next uh, rung on the ladder that I'm going to get to go up to be able to get to do something greater or something to that effect, the next spot. And so they feel like they have value. Another thing is, is physical affection. The problem is a lot of times with people today, they equate the, the love as some kind of sexual attention. Something else is pleasure. Well, if I get to go on that vacation, I know if he's going to be able to because of what's going on with COVID. But if we get to go on this vacation, it's going to be incredible for us. Or it's the next high. Or it's the next experience. Or it's the next this or that or what you're thinking. That's what people are looking for to be able to be loved. And, and how about possessions? People get caught up in possessions. That new house, that next car, or that next neighborhood that we want to live in. We don't want to live in this one any longer. Or a lot of times people want to be able to through problems. See, people get into trouble, especially kids get into trouble just to be able to get attention. And I do believe even times today that adults, sometimes they create problems to get attention. How many of you know that person right now, that adult, they're all about drama? Just raise your hand. Now, if you're sitting with them in a room, you might just not do that. <laughs> but they create drama in order to be able to get attention. So if you could get the fact that God loves you because it's you, you wouldn't have to worry about all those things. See, we, a lot of times we doubt God's love because of the past screw-ups that we've had in life. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Sins that you've done that they haunt you, or, or maybe you've hurt someone and it's always hurt you because you hurt them and, and you severed that relationship, or maybe some kind of dumb decision that you know that is still costing you even to this day, even if it was done a long time ago. And some of you, you don't have those screw-ups. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home to where that you've always loved Jesus, you've had no major screw-ups or regret, but others of you did though. You have messed up. You have screwed up. You have sinned. And even as becoming a Christian, you've asked for forgiveness, but those past things still make you at times doubt God's love for you. But not only that, that will make you doubt those past screw-ups. A lot of times it's present circumstances. Present circumstances mess with you. It's not what you did. It's what you're doing. That's what ends up jacking people up. It's not what you did last year. It's what you did in the moment. It's what you're doing as a continual lifestyle. And today, I want to know that God's love, and I want you to know that God's love is greater than your past screw-ups. God's love is greater than any present circumstances that you're dealing with. God doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because God is good and God is love. That's what he is. 
So as we move forward and Peter has spoken up with the group and he has pretty well said, I believe at the moment what was on the hearts of all of the disciples when he asked who that he was. Let's take a journey from disguise to discovery. And I'm going to jump into Matthew's gospel here in his account in chapter 4. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they were they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them, come. And they did, basically. And he says, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their fathers behind. See, Jesus called these men to discover his love and to be able to reach their potential in following him one step at a time. So many times we don't realize that following the Lord is one step at a time. And if anyone will follow Jesus one step at a time, your past groups and your present circumstances will diminish. And you say, well, how does it do that? Because Jesus has a way about you in that relationship that he will set you free and he will set you up for the life that he intended for you to live and laid out before you ever breathed your, last breath, your first breath. See, these were Jesus' disciples. Do you understand that they were rejects of that day? Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for willing people. You say, well, I know people who screw up all the time. They say they're Christians and they do this and they do that and, and all this. And we're always really quick to judge. And Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to judge. So if he didn't come into the world to judge, why are we to be the judge he would have the only rightful spot for that. And let me say this to you, friend. Be careful how you set yourself up to look good by dissing someone else who may have done something bad. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, many of you there, you probably have a cat as a pet. I'll never forget, uh, as a kid, we had cats and everything. And, and my father, uh, when I was little, uh, in the wintertime, he would have whiskey that they would make hot toddies out of. It was, the, it was the, basically the NyQuil of the day, you know. But he got this bright idea, and my dad was a fun-loving guy. He got this bright idea that he wanted to take a pie pan and put some milk in it and put some whiskey in it. So that's what he does. And, and so next thing you know, our cat can't walk. And our cat is staggering around. And, and next thing you know, our cat goes to one corner of the room in the kitchen, and he barfs. Then the cat staggers around and goes over here to the other corner of the kitchen, and he has diarrhea, okay? So dad, he felt like he had to clean up this mess. And you know, I really think that's like Christians today. Many Christians, they feel like they have to clean up the mess that we make. And you know, when you think about religion, religion says clean up your mess. Religion says you do it on your own. Religion is about do, do, do. But let me understand, let's help you to understand, and speaking of do, 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 that's what daddy was doing. But anyway, a relationship is already spelled done. That's what it is. A relationship with Jesus is that God's son cleaned up our mess through the cross by dying on it and shedding his sinless blood. And all you can do is receive the cleaning from God through his son. How many of you know there are things that, you, that can make you really flip your switch? Think about that for a minute. I'll tell you one thing that really gets me right now is when I'm driving 
and I see someone texting and swerving at the wheel. And, and I'm guilty of this, and I, and I try to be calm, you know, and say, well, you're our pastor, you need to be that. Yes, I know that, but my point is, it still makes me flip my switch. And sometimes what I'll do, I'll get up beside them, and I'll go up beside them, I'll look over at them, and I'll say, and tell them not to do it, you know, because you're going to get somebody killed. I've kind of refrained from that because people are seemingly uh, shooting people these days. So I, I've kind of stopped doing that. But um, when I see people do that, it just flips me out. And, and listen to this, what happens when some Christians flip out, even in the Scripture. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning with verse 51, it says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It says he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his, his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. See, they don't want you, Jesus. Let's just kill them all. You know, <laughs> let me share with you about John. John was the only disciple that died a natural life. John was the only disciple that was not martyred. John was a writer of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, the Gospel of John. And so John here was referred to in the scriptures as the one that Jesus loves. So John is referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. And it can sound almost boastful. It can sound almost arrogant and not in himself, but I think that he's boasting and, and he's with this and he's so proud of the thing that Jesus loves him despite of himself and how he loses his temper and things like at times all of us can make us flip our switch. So just like you and me, there's things that can happen that get you sideways, that get you upset. Sometimes you may be arrogant, sometimes you may be boastful, but we are to be like John. We are the ones that Jesus loves and that's really what he was saying, that he is the one that was loved by Jesus. The one that Jesus loved, wanted, though, to kill everyone. Look at Luke 9 and verse 55. It says, but Jesus turned and rebuked him, so they went on to another village. So, have you ever wanted to, to do something ungodly? John did. But yet, he was loved by Jesus, and that's all of us. So, now, we're going to move a little bit further forward in our journey from disguise to discovery to the night before Jesus goes to the cross as they celebrate Passover. In Luke's gospel in chapter 22, beginning verse 19, it says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice. Remember, a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Then they began to argue among themselves about which about who would be the greatest among them. So Jesus is pouring out his heart that he is going to sacrifice his life for every one of them. And what are they doing? They all of a sudden decide that they want to start arguing which one is the greatest among them. Wow. 
Mark's gospel in chapter 10, James and John, they also, also asked to sit at his right hand or his left hand. Here's what I want you to remember. Remember, real love is what you will sacrifice for. Why did James and John do this? Because they were selfish. Just like all of us are selfish at times. Maybe not all the time, but all of us can be selfish. And I'll tell you right now, I'm, one thing I'm selfish in, and my wife and my family tell you, I can't stand to wait on anybody. And there's no telling how many times that people have waited on me, but I can't stand to wait on anybody. John was selfish, and we can all be selfish. But then Jesus, after this, was arrested, and John followed Jesus to the trials, and John followed Jesus to the cross, the only disciple standing at the cross. And I've always bragged about John being the only disciple at the foot of the cross when Jesus was showing real love and sacrificing his life for humanity's sins. But here's something that you may not have ever noticed. John was silent at the cross. We read nothing in the scripture that he spoke up about anything. And, and what if you were on trial and you had a friend who showed up, but they didn't say anything whatsoever in your defense? We look in John's gospel in chapter 20, and we see that Jesus, Jesus is raised from the dead. And then we see in John's gospel in chapter 21 that they were doubting Jesus' love for them. But then Jesus shows up again. Look in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. It says, later, and of course, once again, this is after he has risen from the grave. Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, which is nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. Now, what was John's occupation before he started following Jesus? They were fishermen. Okay, grab this. So then he walks with Jesus, John does, and the other, other fishermen here. They walk with Jesus for three years. Now John is going back to fishing that which he was doing before following Jesus. Now track with me here. No doubt some of you are like John. You were once closer to Jesus than you are at the moment. And maybe you went back to doing what you did before you met Jesus, and maybe you've turned your back on Jesus. Now, if you say, Jesus, I love you, you, may, you, may, you think you may get used to the fact that Jesus doesn't love me. No, Jesus loves you. So, if I say Jesus loves you and you think he may be used to not loving you, he has never stopped loving you because what he calls you from, he wants to keep you going in that direction, but not here. It says here in verse Three in John 21, it says, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. They caught nothing. Did you hear that? They catch nothing at all without Jesus. And that's just all, like all of us. If you're not careful, you catch nothing at all in life without Jesus. And sometimes Jesus wants to call you out of something to bring you into something that's going to bring him glory. See, a lot of times when you turn your back and you go back to what he's called you out of, the only thing you're going to catch is hell from the enemy. See, this world only gives temporary happiness. This, but Jesus wants to give us eternal joy. Now, here is such an important part of this. 
In John 15, it said before Jesus died, they're in the upper room, and after Judas had left to betray Jesus, look what it says here, beginning with verse 13 in John's gospel, chapter 15. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do, if you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Did you notice in this scripture, Jesus calls them friends three times. And I'm giving my life for you. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm sacrificing my life for you. I love you. See, remember, real love is what you're willing to sacrifice for. Jesus then gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And what did John and the other disciples do? They went right back to what they used to do before they knew Jesus. John in chapter 21 in verse 4 and 5, it says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. If you and I were Jesus would you go to these guys that went back to what Jesus had already called them out of? You'd be disappointed in them, to say the least, and I would too. But Jesus, he called out to them, and they said, no, we've caught nothing. You see, what's taking place here? Jesus is loving them. Grab this. This is cause of his sacrifice. Remember, real love is what you'll sacrifice for. Jesus was loving them when they were living in righteousness of Jesus at the communion table. And Jesus was calling out to them in love when they had went back on him in rebellion. Jesus wanted to bring them back into a relationship with him. And no doubt there's someone watching right now. You know that you have went from the communion table in a right relationship with Jesus, and now he's still calling you out in love to get you to come back out of the rebellion. And you may think, well, he doesn't really want me. Yes, he does. He does. Like he called out the disciples, he's calling out to you right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. John was the one that Jesus loved, not because John was perfect, but because real love is what you will sacrifice for. And Jesus did that for everyone. The love of God is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I asked you the question earlier, who is Jesus? But now I want to ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. 
Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Ultimately, one way or another, or at one time or another, everyone is going to be faced with the question who is Jesus and what do you think of Jesus I want to say if if I had absolutely zero proof that Jesus ever existed I can tell you from my own experience of Jesus in my life how he's delivered me freed me and changed my life that he has given me peace he has given me purpose he has given a plan for my life he has given me the joy that I've never ever been able to have even in the worst times of my life I was even in a jail cell at an 18 year old boy put in there for dealing dope and all of a sudden he loved me in there enough that I went from a dope dealer to a hope he can do that in my life and he can give me a wonderful wife and three daughters and three awesome son-in-laws and six grandchildren and be able to be the pastor of the most amazing church a, a man could ever be honored and humbled to pastor he's blessed me immensely and he wants to bless you immensely he wants to give you the hope he wants to set the prisoners free that you can experience joy that's my proof. But it boils down, who is Jesus to you? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we come in the name of your son, Jesus, thanking you 
that we don't have to doubt your love because of our past screw up or our present circumstances that maybe things has been in disguise kind of like it was for the disciples but then they discovered not only who Jesus was but who he could be in their lives I pray that for every person under the sound of my voice right now as we're praying right now and maybe you've been rebellious maybe you've turned away maybe you've went back to what Jesus called you from and you're catching nothing but hell on earth from an enemy come back to Jesus and Jesus will get back to you because he loves you if you've never given your life to Jesus how can you turn away from a love like this I want to ask you to pray for those that's maybe you were a Christian and you've turned your back on him would you pray right now and just ask him to be able to forgive you for turning your back on him He'll come running to you. He's never left you. He's going to be right there beside you. He wants to lead you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to go with you even to the end of this world. But if you've never given your life to him, don't turn your back to him and his love. Those of you that, that's never asked him into your heart, would you pray to him right now and, and just tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I would like to have you in my life. I believe, like the most part of America does, I believe you're real. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. You shed your life's blood for me that I could have my sins forgiven. And you rose for me. So I ask him, say, please forgive me of my sins, Lord. I asked you to be the Lord of my life. Save me. My life is yours, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I repent. That means I'm going to turn my back on the things I've been doing that you've called me out of. I've been catching nothing but what the enemy's throwing at me. I want to be caught up in your love from this point forward. That's been your prayer right now, and you've recommitted your life to Christ. Uh, that is amazing. You're, you've come back to him. He never left you. But if you gave your life to Christ, Please let us know that. Text us to the number and, and text the word saved to the number on the screen and let us know that. We want to help you in your journey. He is a good, faithful God and he loves you so much. I'm excited about what God can do in and through your life. So just text us, let us know that. We'll follow up with you. Love to do that. And, and I'm excited about seeing you in person next week. Hi, hey, we're going to give out our four t-shirts. We did a series about four and how we're for Sumner County. And we're for all the people, all the businesses, all the churches, all the many people moving in from everywhere. We gave them out that last Sunday, March 15th. But maybe if you weren't here, we're going to give them to you next week. Hope you'll be here next week at 9 or 1030. I also want to extend to you that if you need prayer, there's a number on your screen. You can call one of our pastors. Love to pray with you. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you. And next week in person, we'll be talking about who is God, the Holy Spirit. Have an awesome rest of the day. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.